Mind Your Farm Business on realagriculture.com is brought to you by RBC Royal Bank. Welcome to the Mind Your Farm Business podcast brought to you by RBC Royal Bank. I'm Sean Haney, founder of realagriculture.com and host of Real Ag Radio on Rural Radio 147. You can find more episodes of the Mind Your Farm Business podcast at mindyourfarmbusiness.com. Today's topic on the Mind Your Farm Business podcast is all about data. Go to any farm meeting in Canada and you will hear people spouting off about big data, small data, data analytics, data currency, or data decisions. Lots of keywords, which can essentially mean nothing but noise if not organized or processed accordingly. Data has been thrust into the spotlight in agriculture just like other industries, but it still is very much misunderstood as a value-creating proposition. Today's guest on the Mind Your Farm Business podcast is someone that has attempted to create value out of farm-based data to create efficiency, lower costs, and ultimately make more money. Christian Hebert farms in Saskatchewan and has a lot to say about data's role in farming. Hey, Christian, how's it going today? Not too bad, Sean. You? Uh, doing really well, man. Doing really well. Okay, we're going to talk about an important topic today that I know you have spent a lot of time not only thinking about, but also implementing on your own farm. And that is this transition from collecting data, because that's the easy part, the transition to actually making decisions based off of it, and most importantly, turning those decisions into making more money because at the end of the day that should be the goal with with any decision on, on the farm at, at your farm how do you go about this to make sure you have success i guess we're trying to kind of split it into you know some sort of silos or pools so the first one that we talk about lots is financial data that's stuff that all farms have for you know basically the past 100 years as long as you've been filing a tax return and, and tie that to cash because it's the most important. The second kind of silo would be our agronomic and machinery data. So that would be everything that we do to grow our crop, but also the efficiencies, et cetera, we, we need to, uh, you know, obtain getting that crop off. And the third would be we've really started to track people data and how that affects our, our ability to be efficient. And, and I think you've made an important point. Uh, it's not just about agronomics. A lot of times we think all we think about is agronomic data, right? Because that's the easy go-to, and the farmers love to farm. But that financial data, that that is really, in, in some ways, even it, it gives you a truer picture on on where you're at, and kind of sets the tone for the farm going forward. Yeah, I mean, the financial data is like your mark to mark. It's the actual. I find that agronomic data, you know. As farmers, we can convince ourselves to only remember what the yield was in our favorite spot of the field. And if you extrapolate that over your whole farm, I mean, you'd, you'd do extremely well every year. But funny thing is, is once you sell everything and, and minus all the bills, it's nowhere near what that one acre, that small portion was. So the financial data really is your, you know, it's your true marker in that that's what goes into your bank account. That's what goes into your net worth and allows you to operate your business. So we we truly believe it's the most important part because it allows you to really measure everything you're trying to measure. Yeah, and, and you know what? I, a lot of times we use the words data and information, you know, interchangeably. But I, I disagree with that. I, I look at data as being quite raw in in definition, and it, it's sort of you know maybe ungathered. It's it's not ungrouped, and it, it's just sort of a whole bunch of numbers. It, it's about turning it into information that is key to be able to make 
really, really good decisions. Absolutely. Yeah, we kind of call it the conversion from data to intelligent data. It gets, it gets to the point of intelligent data when we can make a decision on it. So that, you know, if I use machinery for an example, we did a project this year on all of our harvest combines and grain carts where we literally measured every hour that the, the machines were running, whether they were, you know, full and operating, full and unloading while they were moving or not moving, repair time, etc., and then put a dollar amount on every hour that we weren't efficient. And, I mean, it really surprised us. I mean, one thing was is our grain carts were super efficient. Our combines only lost us about $4,000 worth of hours by, by sitting there idling and not and full, which means the grain cart was late. On a, you know, on our acres, that's pretty small. But our transport time and, say, our idling not full, i.e. repairs or supper breaks, et cetera, the, the number really surprised me. So that was, that was one area where as we converted data to intelligent data, we're, we're starting to make some inroads. The second one that we've really started tracking is we're developing a scorecard that we get every Friday that is more what I would call activity-based instead of financial-based. So it's a leading indicator right down to the point of, you know, how many overtime hours did we pay every week on Fridays, which lets us know how we're managing our crew, which lets you know burnout, wage expense, et cetera, et cetera, right down to how can we better measure our shops. So possibly on Fridays that what we're looking at is, you know, you have – you have open jobs, days in a job, and days to complete a job. And if you start tracking that on every single Friday, that those leading indicators are what actually is starting to drive our financials. Mm. So some of the, some of the listeners they're going to hear those you know those couple examples, and and I think what's going to drift into their minds is, man, I don't have time to put all that together. Like I that's that sounds like it's crazy. How do you how do you make sure you have the resources available to put some of those numbers together what do you do yeah so i mean for the for the shop one it became as easy as hang a whiteboard in the shop we list all the jobs and put a date beside them when we list them in the job title when they get moved into an open job the crew just moves them over on the whiteboard and writes the new date and obviously like all they have to remember is when they start it and when they finish it and they write a date beside it and then you know our the the one girl from the front office collects that data every friday so that one's pretty simple for us on the combine side um you know, I think a lot of the dealers and brands allow you to collect a lot of that data now. So we're a John. We use mainly John Deere, all call John Deere combines. We can actually pull that report literally with the press of a button um, throughout harvest. And then all we did was attached a dollar per hour amount to it. So honestly, it was like a three, four hour project in order to calculate that harvest data. And is now now we'll implement it more into a a weekly or twice a month type thing through harvest because we can. We now have something to compare it to. Are you also using some of this data or intelligent data, as you phrase it? Are are you using any of that when it comes to how you manage your HR in terms of evaluations as well? So that, I mean, that is our real goal. I read a book called Traction by Gino Wickman, and it talks about an entrepreneurial operating system. So something that your business operates on in order to still allow you to grow fast and have plans and and that's where these activity-based indicators came from. And the one story that really hit home with me is in the world of big business, there's a, there's a term called net promoter score, i.e., what do your customers think about you? And they literally, that, obviously that's really important to the CEO, but they tracked that all the way down till it changed by 10% week to week, and they couldn't figure out why. And all it was is they had different admin at the phone each one of those weeks. And they realized that if the phone got answered in two rings or less, in a happy tone of voice, 
their net promoter score trended up 10%. The next week, wasn't as happy of a phone call, and it tended to get answered in four rings. It trended down 10%. Hmm. So that, I mean, it can literally track that much. So that's where we're trying to get to the point of throughout the growing season, having activity-based indicators every Friday, and then in the in the more in the winter season, we might, well, one thing we're tracking is tons of grain moved, you know, overtime hours paid because there's no reason we shouldn't be able to manage our people good in the winter to keep that manageable with what we expect in seeding and harvest. The shop-type jobs so that if you don't have anything to measure to, how is it? how are you able to get better? So then we can break that down literally to individuals, how their day-to-day routines affect that Friday dashboard, which then affect financials, and then you can tie that into your whole management plan. We'll get back to more of my discussion with Christian Heber, but first a word from our sponsor. This episode of Mind Your Farm Business Podcast is brought to you by RBC. While there is no way to eliminate all business risks you'll face, creating a sound risk management strategy will help mitigate some of the more common ones and give your business a leg up. The agriculture account managers at RBC can help you set your farm up for success. Visit rbc.com slash agriculture to find an ag specialist near you. Clearly, you're you're a numbers guy, right? Like it's it's it, it provides clarity to you, and and gives you the the proper background to kind of make decisions. If a farm, you know, a farm owner, if he or she is not data driven, it's got to be super critical to make sure you got somebody in your team that can work on some of this because just using gut instinct on decisions based on what agriculture is like now boy that that can be a, a that can be a real deadly omission from a success standpoint yeah i think independence you know in the world of agriculture is our number one positive it's how we beat tough years such as 2019 harvest or 04 frost etc but it's also our number one negative because we're so fiercely independent we almost refuse to collaborate so, you know, there, I think there's lots of options to have, you know, collaborative arrangements with maybe a CFO who manages your financial data, collaborative arrangements with a data manager. So four or five farms use one person to do that. Now, not only do you get really good uh, data and financial opportunities for your own farm, you may even do it with people you trust enough and that are spread out that you could benchmark farm to farm. So, you know, now you know what your repairs and maintenance is per acre and you compare it to five other farms you trust. Now you can really start changing things. And you look at the world, like say a, say a CFO is going to cost you know, eighty dollars to $120,000. For an individual farm to hire that probably doesn't work. But to be split between four or five or eight or nine or ten operations, depending on their size, I think it's something we really need to start looking at. One of the huge enablers of success in agriculture, and definitely a deterrent if you look at the 2019 harvest, is 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 just the weather, and I, I sometimes feel that we use weather as sort of a veil to not work on some of these things that are kind of actually in our control because it, it's it's outside of our natural tendencies. Is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. I think we use you know we like to use weather as an excuse to lean on that it changes so much from year to year that how can you compare? Um, but I mean, one of my kind of my light bulb moments is I was on a plane beside a guy that owns resorts in Mexico, and you want to talk about weather affecting your day-to-day business. And his argument back was, well, what's your weather plan? So, well, what do you mean? Well, if it's raining the day the, the night shift gets up in the middle of seating, what's their plan? 
Now, right now, it's kind of just a bunch of text messages. And he explained to me that if they, you know, if his crew shows up at 5 a.m. in the morning at the resort and it's raining, it's here's the plan. The chairs get moved inside, activities get planned in order to have all the patrons still have a successful day. So literally, it's almost like we shouldn't use weather as an excuse. We should use it as an enabler of why we need to focus more on it because of that volatility. It's more important. It's not less important. Let's jump back to the agronomic data. How, how are you using agronomic data? And everybody has agronomic data, like I said. But, but how are you using this information to make better financial decisions? Yeah, so I mean, a couple things. We've been, you know, we've been grid sampling and added elevation maps to our sampling and topography maps, true water infiltration rates. So those types of things, I think the number one thing they've led my mind down the path of is uh, I believe we're handcuffing kind of the top 40 to 50% of our acres. I think they can actually produce significantly more than we're, we're setting them up to. Um, and then, you know, we've also learned that some of our bottom acres, we're probably oversetting them up. We, they should almost be limited, and we should be looking at other strategies in order to improve them. So that, w- that would be step number one. And then step number two would be, you know, the, the work we've been doing with crop intelligence on soil water probes, et cetera, that, I mean, I think we really understood the top two inches of soil and water infiltration rates and the importance and soil holding capacity and how important that was. We had no idea, you know, how much the four or five feet of soil was impacting the crop and how that started the year and ended the year. So it's really, it's really opened our eyes to how little we do know and how much opportunity there is. As you speak to producers in Canada and the U.S., we can probably, like, in a simple kind of manner, we can, we can sort of pin where they are in the process of, of this whole data decision discussion, right? So some are like, no way, I don't care. I'm, I'm not worrying about this at all. I, I, I'm all gut-oriented. Like, I, I know my farm. Nobody else does. I, I know what's going on. And then you have people that are like interested, they're dabbling, having trouble getting from, you know, taking that next step. And then you probably have another group that is like so all in, it would uh, probably make your head spin (laughs) if you you heard some of the things that they were, they were, they were doing. Is that a kind of a a fair three buckets to put everybody in? Uh, Yeah, I I definitely, the buckets are almost exactly to what you said. You know, I think, I think the biggest thing, though, is it doesn't matter where you are on that spectrum. It's to set some sort of a, a goal and a way you're going to measure that on, a, say, a quarterly basis on how you're tracking towards that to work your way towards what you think is the biggest return on investment for your farm. You, you know, it might be the financial data side or more agro- agronomy data or more people data. You've got to pick the one to start on. Don't try and tackle them all at once. It'll be too overwhelming. So then, you know, and, and as you mentioned, have someone on your team that is passionate about each of those sets and can help you do it. You don't have to do it all yourself. Yeah. And, and, and small, small steps forward, right? Like, I think one of the things that disables a lot of people in this area of using data to make decisions is they, they go, like, from, you know, that first bucket, nothing, to trying to jump to the third bucket, and there is a whole that second bucket of of people, which is the largest bucket, I believe. There's a lot of smaller steps to take inside that grouping. Don't try to make these grandiose leaps ahead because you're setting yourself up for failure. Fair, for sure. And I think a lot of people tend to focus on agronomy and machinery first, when in fact 
two of the more simpler ones and and more beneficial ones are the financial and the people. I mean, you have the financial data. There's a lot of people out there that can help you get the calculations from that to move forward on things such as working capital percent and debt service that's very important to your bankers. And on the people side, you know, something as simple as an online time clock that they use on that your that your team uses on your phone can give you weekly time data that probably gives you a bit of a precursor on why someone might be burned out and is ready to leave your operation versus is happy and working on the things they enjoy and referring people into your operation. They're pretty they're pretty small steps that I think are manageable. And then it, especially on that people side, finding people that also like the data side and the technology side, it probably empowers you to do more of it because you have others you know, that realize its importance and help you down that path. Yeah, great stuff. Hey, Christian, I really appreciate you joining us here today on the Mind Your Farm Business Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, Sean. There is no right answer to the question of using data to benefit your farm. All of us are in different places in this journey, but it's really about finding what works best for your operation. I hope you enjoyed today's discussion. If you have any feedback or commentary, please email me at shaney at realagriculture.com or call the Real Ag Listener line at 855-776-6147. Find more episodes of the Mind Your Farm Business podcast at mindyourfarmbusiness.com. Thanks to RBC Royal Bank for their sponsorship. And until next time, keep on minding your farm business.